On this week's episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, David Amoyal of the Calcio Land Podcast and DiMarzo.com joins us to preview the Serie A campaign. We also break down Gareth Bale's impending move to Tottenham and Thiago Alcantara's move to Liverpool. Hello and welcome to the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I am once again joined by Marcus. I am Mark, but we have a special guest on today, David Amoyal from GianlucaDiMarzio.com and Calcio Land Podcast to talk a little Serie A with us this afternoon. David, how are you? It's a real pleasure to be on. Thanks so much for having me back on. It's been a while, but it's always a pleasure to chat with you guys. And uh, good afternoon or good evening to whatever time the listeners are tuning in. Thanks for checking us out. Yeah, David, uh, you were our first guest on the Nesson Soccer Podcast many moons ago. It feels like a different life. Um, but yeah, we're, we're always happy to have you on. Um, Marcus, I just have the, the best memories of, of that. It, I think it was a Champions League final preview. Is what yeah, we I remember that very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, Juventus versus uh, Real Madrid. Uh, yeah. The first of Real Madrid's uh, three-peat, actually. And uh, I'm pretty sure we were I, – I, I think I was pretty confident in Juventus at the time. Yeah. Um, I would have thought they would have won one Champions League by now, but I'm sure uh, <laughs> Juventini have been, have been saying that for about the last 15, 20 years now. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Eventually, uh, the, the, eventually that next star will come, uh, but we're not quite sure when it will be. But uh, David, that's why we have, uh, we have you on to talk about uh, Juventus and all things Syria. You are one of the uh, experts in the English language. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you back on. Terrific. Great. Day. Good to see that despite me being the first guest, you still have a show. So that's great. <laughs> must have had great the episodes must have been great afterwards. So well yeah, done, absolutely. guys. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but David, let's jump into some Syria talk. Uh, what are you most excited about upcoming in this Syria season? Plenty of off-season storylines went on. So what sticks out most to you? So what's most exciting to me is I think we're going to have a very intriguing uh, title race this year in Serie A because I really think Inter is coming on strong. Last season, they finished just one point behind Juve. Uh, they've added Hakimi, who is probably as impressive as any addition we've seen in Serie A. We saw Conte's team in the Europa League play really well, and I would say really play as a cohesive unit, cohesive team. Inter has pretty much kept the whole team they had before, added Hakimi. They are almost certainly going to add Arturo Vidal, who Conte knows very well. So those are two additions that work short-term-wise great on the team. Um, so, and I think having Conte there is a big advantage. He's a manager that really knows how to win. Juve, on the other hand, uh, with the coaching change and bringing in someone like Andrea Pirlo, who's really an uncertainty. I think anyone who knows what right. to expect yeah. from Pirlo 
you know, is maybe projecting more. I see him as a blank canvas as a coach. We really don't know what he is going to be like as a manager. So I see Inter and Juve having very comparable squads, but I do give an edge to Inter on the coaching because Conte is a, is a definite plus Pirlo. We don't know. So I'm very excited by the title race. We know Juve is going for 10 in a row, which is a amazing achievement. I'm sure they'll be very motivated. Juve brought back most of the team. I mean, they lost Pjanic, they lost Matuidi, they lost Higuain, but they also brought in Arthur from Barcelona. They brought in Kuluzevski, who uh, I thought was the breakout player in Serie A last season. And I think people maybe underestimate what a good addition he is for Juve because it was technically a January signing. So, and we have McKinney, of course, an American player on Juve, which is a whole other great story. Love like that. The first, um, <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, the first American on Juve, only the fifth in the league, which is great. So I'm excited. I think the title race at the top should be fantastic. And even for the Champions League, we have some nice – we have, you know, Atalanta was a great storyline last year. Lazio qualified last season. They look as strong as they did last year. Atalanta maybe even a little bit better. We have a resurging Milan. We have a Roma that are, you know – going for a youth movement. So those races should be fascinating. Uh, so Serie A should be a lot of fun this year. Um, you mentioned Arthur Mello, and he uh, has had – he had a tumultuous time at Barcelona, especially towards the end. Um, and maybe his production as far as filling the stat sheet wasn't quite what he would like, I'm sure, and what Barcelona maybe was expecting – I think he had some trouble with a uh, drunk driving incident, incident yeah. not too long ago. So is this maybe – he's 24 years old. Is this move to Juventus uh, – I don't want to say make or break, but a really important time in his career to, to really prove himself uh, and to show well at Juventus? And if he doesn't, he you know, could be out of big clubs like Juventus and Barcelona? Yeah, I, I certainly think uh, it's a very important moment in his career. Uh, I think his transfer for Pjanic was one of the biggest transfers of the summer. You know, teams are with COVID are hard pressed with cash. So I'm not surprised that we saw these big transfers, maybe, you know, at inflated fees to settle the balance sheet. Uh, but I think Arthur at Juve fits in quite well because the midfield has really been Juve's weakness for a while, when in the past that's really what they were known for when Pirlo was still playing. Um, so I think he joins an interesting unit because they lost Pjanic, but they have Bentancourt, who's uh, looked really promising, and they have Rabiot, who had a strong end to the season and they have McKinney in the mix. So I think those, those are going to, I think Arthur is going to play probably the most out of those, but uh, those are kind of the core players. And I think Sedia should work quite well for Arthur. I think, you know, he's got excellent passing. Juve has struggled definitely in the passing game. He's more athletic than Pjanic. So I think this is a very good fit for him. He was a little bit hesitant at first to join Juve. I think he saw leaving Barcelona to go to Juve as great as Juve is as a step back. And I could see why someone would think that, but it sounds like Juve really sold them on how well he will fit in there. And look, you know, I think for a midfielder, you could do a lot worse than having Pirlo as your manager. So uh, I'm pretty excited to see him. 
David, uh, we, uh, we want to move to what uh, our most loyal listeners will know as my least favorite part, uh, which is predictions. Okay. Uh, okay. Can you give us your predictions for the top four? Uh, who's going who's gonna to qualify for the Champions League this year? So, great question. So, I've been preparing for this uh, quite a bit. And uh, usually what I do to kind of make these predictions, I learned from uh, Mike Lombardi, who was a former Pats GM, to break down players, blue, red chip players. So, I look at all the teams, look at the quality, look at who they lost uh, and the coaches. So, I uh, did a lot of research. I have Inter as a slight favorite on Juve. I think Conte is worth at least six points over Pirlo. I do see, you know, Juve squad and Inter are very close, but Ronaldo and Dybala had great seasons last year. No matter, you know, Ronaldo mm-hmm. scored the most goals ever in Juve history in a season. Dybala had a rejuvenation. So you have to assume you're already asking for a lot for them to repeat that. And they're going to add Zeko seems very likely. And I think he'll help, but it's going to be hard for those two to keep that season. Lukaku, on the other hand, had a great season for Inter, but he arrived pretty late. And I think now he knows Serie even better. So that should be very intriguing. I really like Inter's midfield, especially if they add uh, Vidal, Barella, who's been playing for the Italian national team, is a terrific player for the listeners. So I see them kind of on their own tier. I'm going to give a slight edge to Inter. I'm going to put Juve second. After that, I think Atalanta are going to confirm themselves. What I like about Atalanta is that they showed last year that they can hang even though they're playing in the Champions League. A lot of people thought that Atalanta would not be able to compete on multiple fronts, and they did. And they've added depth. They brought in some intriguing players to give them more depth. So I think Atalanta are going to confirm themselves and I do see a resurgent Napoli I thought last season Napoli squad wise was right there with Juve Uh, it was a very tumultuous time with Ancelotti Gattuso got the team back on track Uh, they've made some nice moves this summer they bring in awesome men from uh, Liga the highest paid player ever in Napoli's history this is a, a striker that was linked to Premier League clubs uh, very, very intriguing, and I think he fits Gattuso counter-attacking uh, style. So those are my top four. Um, I do see Lazio having a little bit of a drop-off. Uh, Lazio, you know, before the pandemic stopped uh, the games, they looked like in a very good chance to actually win the title, but things fell apart. I think they'll have a little bit of a hangover there. They also came really close to signing David Silva, which would have been a fantastic signing, and we know that didn't work out. So I think they'll have a little bit of a hangover. Um, So I kind of see them in the fifth spot. And then I have Milan, who have made some nice moves uh, this summer. Tonali is one of the most promising Italian young Midfielders, uh, they kept Kjaer, who had was a revelation when he arrived in January. They still have Ibrahimovic, who in a half a season scored 10 goals, and right. I think really helped with their young players. So I think Milan has a chance to break in the top four, uh, but there's just a lot of quality in Serie A. And then after that, I like Roma. But um, I see them kind of as a team in transition with new owners. The injury to Zaniolo, arguably their best player with Zeko. He'll be out most of the season. That's terrible. Heartbreaking, terrible. 
Uh, Zeko looks, looks like he's heading to Juve, so those are their two best players, one injured, one leaving. Uh, I like what they're doing. They're going to bring in Milik from Napoli to replace Zeko. He's much younger. Makes sense to me. They signed an excellent young defender, Kumbula, from Verona. Maybe they'll still bring Smalling back. I still think there's a slight chance they bring him back as well. But I see Roma as kind of taking, and, and it's smart that they are taking a step back to take two forward when Zaniolo comes back next year with the owner. So I'm going to go Inter, Juve, Atalanta, Napoli, Lazio, Milan, and then Roma. Oh, David, wow. you just <laughs> broke Mark De Benedetto's heart. Uh, Mark, did you hear that? Roma. Is, uh, I, I I think I had this uh, this I, I expected something along those lines, but I mean that was the tears welling up in your eyes as uh, yeah. David. But, well, but, when but you brought up Zaniolo, it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is because he's great. But again, I, I I think it kind of makes sense for Roma to do this because you know you could bring Zeko back and he's arguably their best player, but he's thirty four, you know. So yeah. it makes sense to me what they're doing. But uh, I think unfortunately they're going to have to take a slight step back. All right, one more prediction. Now, uh, Immobile led, uh, he was the top scorer with 36 goals for Lazio. Ronaldo scored 31 for Juventus. Lukaku had 23 for Inter. Uh, all of these players, what do they have in common? They're all veterans. They're all established. Uh, who do you see being the top store, scorer? And can any young hotshots or another player break into this top three? Ooh. Great question. Um, I have to say I'm very high on Lukaku this year. Um, to say that he impressed me in his first season at Inter is definitely an understatement. You know, uh, by following what people said about him, Premier League fans, it seems that it was all about his first touch. But man, that I see so many other great qualities in him. I think he's terrific. I think having Hakimi on the team to feed him crosses, I could see him increasing his goal scores. Now, Ronaldo with Zeko could have a great season because Zeko could be yeah. for him what Benzema was at Real Madrid. And I think that's what Juve are looking for him. Uh, I know Juve is also linked to Suarez. I think Suarez is probably a better player, but Zeko makes all his teammates better around them. So I think Ronaldo is going to benefit. I like Immobile. He's perfect for Lazio, but now he's also going to be playing in the Champions League. So I think he's going to tell off a little bit. So I'm going to pick Ronaldo because of Zeko, and I think he has one, at least one great season left in him. But I think Lukaku will be close. As far as the younger strikers uh, to look, I think Osman on Napoli is going to be fascinating uh, to see uh, what he does there. I think Lautaro Martinez on Inter, Lukaku's teammate, is fascinating. He had 14 goals last season. I think him and Lukaku are a, a perfect partnership up front. But I think Lukaku is going to score the lion's share of goals. But say Lautaro was on another team where he's the main striker as opposed to the second striker, I think he could absolutely break into that. Uh, definitely a player to watch. Fantastic stuff, David. Um, we'll, we'll get one more Serie A question out of you. Um, this year in the Champions League semifinalists, there were no Syria representatives. Atalanta lost in heartbreaking fashion to PSG um, in the quarterfinals, but obviously disappointing that Juventus didn't even make the quarterfinals. Uh, and 
the Champions League has been tough for Syria, and we're wondering: Do you think that the Syria makes a return to the semifinals or possibly the finals this year? It's a great question. So, <laughs> I think Inter is going to focus more on Serie. I really do. I think Conte. As great as he is, he's, I think he's the best manager in the world when he has to prepare for one game a week. We have to prepare for just one opponent. I'll take Conte pretty much over anyone. But once you start throwing into a second game and having to rotate, and that's a whole other thing. So I have reservations on Inter. I think Atalanta could have another great run because Atalanta played the style of football that seems to do well in the Champions League. Uh, I like the moves that they made uh, this summer. They brought in uh, Miranchuk from uh, from Kiev's very impressive striker. He had scored against Juve in the Champions League. Uh, they're bringing in a pretty good defender in Romero. So I think Atalanta can do uh, well. But I do think at the Lazio, I think it's going to be tough because they're going to have a very tough draw. They're going to be in the lowest pot. Uh, I don't see them having the depth to kind of keep up. So I think though Juve can have a very good season in the Champions League. I'm going to say of the Italian teams, if one of them is going to make the semifinal, I'm going to pick Juve, and I think they can make it. Look, Ronaldo, who was brought in for the Champions League, has been sensational right. in the Champions League. It's been two years in a row. He scored all of Juve's goals past the group stage. He's done his wow. part. And I think Juve has done enough to give him some support the rest of the way. So I'll tell you what, the first time I was on, Juve was in the CL final and they lost. And I told you guys that I thought they were going to lose. So this time I'll be optimistic and I'll say that Juve will make at least the Champions League semifinal. Amazing. Great stuff. Um, well, Marcus, I mean, we've, that, that time flew by, but it, I feel like, do we have any last questions for David before we let him go? No, that's uh, about as comprehensive of a Syria preview as uh, we could have hoped for. Uh, David, great stuff once again. Thank you very much for joining us on, uh, on the Nesson Soccer Podcast. Uh, give a shout to where uh, fans can find you uh, on Twitter, social media. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And it was a real pleasure chatting with you today. So you can follow me on Twitter at David Amoyal, A-M-O-Y-A-L. I am the manager of the Marcio's English page, a great place to keep up to date with transfer news. We have transfers through October 5th. You can also follow Serie A there. And I am the host of the Calcio Land podcast. If you enjoyed our chat on Serie A, we do this twice a week. On the pod, we talk transfers as well. So I'd love to have you guys tune into the podcast. And again, it was a real pleasure chatting with you guys. All the best. And I look forward to chatting with you again, hopefully sooner than a few years from now. But uh, thanks yeah. again for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Really we wonderful. got to. For sure. Thanks right. very much, David. Thanks, guys. Ciao. Thanks, David. Ciao. Ciao. All right. That went well. Well, Mark, did that... Uh... Have your Syria preview needs been filled uh, despite the doom and gloom surrounding Roma? Yes, I, I think that Syria is, um, despite the, the doom and gloom with Roma, as you said, is uh, something to, is, is one of the best leagues to, to track this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Syria uh, has been for many years and still is one of my guilty pleasures and uh, looking forward <laughs> to it this season. I don't know why you got to call it a guilty pleasure. I think it's just it should just be a 
a forefront pleasure of, of great soccer in your life. All right, fine. Pleasure with no guilt. <laughs> um, okay, well, so let's keep it rolling with non-Syria transfer rumors. Um, and more and more becoming not a rumor is Gareth Bale leaving Real Madrid, heading to Tottenham. It seems like every hour there's just more, you know, everything but confirmation from the club is that this deal is through. Um, Gareth Bale expected to fly to London on Friday after completing a medical in uh, Madrid today. Today is Thursday at this time of recording. Um, And this is something that uh, has been rumored for basically since he got to Real Madrid. Gareth Bale wanted to leave Real Madrid. uh, But Marcus, you just when you this deal's coming together, what are your reactions as the news kind of trickles out more and more? Uh, this is one of the big moves of the summer. Um, you know, if for no other reason than Bale's name, uh, he is, you know, you have to say over the last uh, 10 years, probably the best British player in the world. Um, he's gone to Real Madrid. He's stuck it out there for seven years now. Uh, he scored, I was looking at his numbers yesterday, 105 goals, 68 assists, and 251 games. He won four Champions League, three World Club World Cups, two La Liga titles, and other titles. Uh, most of the time, he has been at odds with his coach. Uh, Zinedine Zidane has been there since, uh, I want to say, twenty end of 2015, early 2015. 16 um and he has uh for some reason Zidane and Gareth Bale have not gotten along um we're not quite sure where they went wrong or how but um one of the more uh I'll call it abusive relationships in uh, big time European soccer was Zidane and Gareth Bale always leaving him out, uh, leaving him out of many games, um, but then calling him in when he really needs him, such as the Champions League. Right. Uh, he comes on as a substitute against Liverpool. I think this was in 2018. Yeah. A uh, phenomenal bicycle kick goal. One of the, uh, one of the best goals you'll ever see. But Gareth Bale, for some reason, Zidane doesn't rate him. The fans and the Spanish media don't like him. Uh, we, it, it's hard for me to pinpoint where he went wrong. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah, three things really stick out, or four things. The first is his injuries. Uh, Gareth Bale is uh, and has been for much of the last four or five years injury prone, lack of a better word, injury prone. Uh, his salary, roughly 600000 a week, equates to uh, around $30 million per year. It's one of the highest paid players, probably one of the five highest paid players in world soccer. Uh, if you're not delivering week in, week out, that is a uh, it's textbook mismanagement in sports. Uh, then you have his personality. He's, he's a shy guy. He's kind of reserved, likes to hang out with his family. Um, it's not great for PR, not going to get you a lot of uh, new followers. He's not Instagramming Insta- uh, interesting things and tweeting Insta- uh, tweeting interesting things. <laughs> and then it's his uh, 
perception of his priorities, Wales, golf, Madrid, in that, <laughs> uh, there was that banner. Um, yeah, people wonder how much Gareth Bale cares about Real Madrid having won everything and uh, loves to play golf, built a golf course in his backyard. Um, you know, What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It's it, it. I think it just rubs uh, some Real Madrid fans and uh, many in the Spanish media the wrong way. So uh, that's where Gareth Bale went wrong in a nutshell. Uh, Real Madrid is desperate to get him off of their uh, wage bill, and it looks like it's going to happen um, in the coming hours or days. Yeah, I mean, it. What's frustrating for me is that. Uh, Gareth Bale seems to have been there when it really counted for Real Madrid. And I am referencing their four Champions League titles. Uh, Bale played in all four games, scored in three of them, including the game-winning goals in two of them. Yep. And Against Atletico Madrid and uh, Liverpool, I want to say. Yes, exactly. And then even in 2016, um, uh, the another game, another Real Madrid Madrid Derby, uh, Bale scored a PK in penalties. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's there and he's, he's producing and he's coming through when it matters most. And that seems to be the kind of thing that, or th this old saying, like when you're winning fixes everything. And like, that just hasn't been the case for Gareth Bale. Um, but you know, at the same time, I'm excited for him to go to Tottenham. It, it's definitely going to create a very, you know, deadly attack for Tottenham and uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say every, is it a good, is it everybody wins? Gareth Bale wins. Does Real Madrid win? Does Tottenham win? Tottenham definitely wins. But what do you, what do you think of just the move in and of itself? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I see storm clouds. You're right. It will bolster. Tottenham's attack. Uh, it will inject excitement into uh, the Spurs team that has, for certainly the last 12 months, been missing it. Um, will he fire them into the top four? I just don't think so. I have a feeling he's not going to stay fit. Um, he, you know, I don't see him playing week in, week out. Um, and then there's the relationship with Jose Mourinho. Now, uh, we have some, uh, we'll, we'll hear from Mourinho when he was talking about uh, Gareth Bale uh, just, I think this was yesterday on Wednesday. Uh, yeah. where Mourinho revealed that he tried to sign him at Real Madrid. So here goes. I tried to sign him for uh, Real Madrid, which was not possible to do during my time there. But the president follow my my instinct and follow my my knowledge. And uh, the season I I left, he brought uh, Garrett to the club. There is no secret on on that. I think even even Garrett knows that. But uh, I'm not going to speak about him anymore because he's a Real Madrid player. Yeah, how will Mourinho and Bale get on? That's that's really the million dollar question in this, um, you know, in this move. I have a feeling 
Mourinho might change up the formation a bit. Uh, it'll be great to see how Hung Min Son and Harry Kane and Gareth Bale all fit together, if yeah. they fit together. Uh, we'll make Spurs more dangerous going forward if and when Bale is fit. Uh, it's going to be a few weeks before uh, you see him because he's not fully fit uh, for some reason. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. But I see um, – I don't think this move is going to work out in the long term. Oh, well, Marcus, I don't want to speculate on that. I just love that Mourinho puts himself, he says, oh, it was basically my idea to sign Gareth Bale anyway in the first place. And, you know, Real Madrid just went with what I decided after they, after I left town. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, when Mourinho was there, Zidane was, uh, he was an assistant coach. He was a sporting director. And Bale, uh, you know, the streets won't forget this, Bale was Zidane's, uh, or at least it looked like he was the gift to Zidane. He was the one that Zidane wanted and Zidane got. But, yeah, Mourinho's taking the credit for it. So very interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, so one more major transfer um, potentially becoming official in the – Soon is Thiago leaving Bayern Munich fresh off of a Champions League final victory for Liverpool, um, reportedly for 20 million pounds. Um, and then some 29 year old. But uh, here's what Jurgen Klopp had to say about this transfer rumor nothing, actually. No, absolutely nothing because, um, how always, um, we don't. We are not part of speculations. Um, try um, to never be, and that's it pretty much. And if something is to announce, you are the first I will call. So this would be an- another way for Liverpool to sort of tinker, as we talked about last week, Marcus, that Liverpool can't just rest on their accomplishments of the last two seasons. They have to continue to... Uh, sculpt and mold and and adjust their roster. Um, this is certainly a good fit uh, for the time being, but, you know, Thiago had a pretty good situation at Bayern Munich. So why exactly do you think he's he wanted to leave? Um, he wants to. Uh, it's, you know, he's, it, it seems like he wants a new challenge. He's been there for seven years. He's won absolutely everything with Bayern Munich. Uh, Bayern, actually, he and Bayern were just on the cusp of agreeing to a contract extension. Uh, his contract expires at the end of this season. And then he did uh, an about face and decide, and said, actually, I want out. Um, and he's going to go out with uh, the blessings of everyone at Bayern. Uh, he led them to a uh, Champions League. He provided the assist and the game-winning goal and the Champions League final win over PSG. And, uh, yeah, this happens. He's not, uh, he's not German. He didn't grow up in Munich. Uh, so there's a new challenge for him out there. And this is what, uh, this is what big players do um, from time to time. They just decide they want to try something else. He wants to test himself in the Premier League. Um, and so it's looking like Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I think you said it, Marcus. It's just a new challenge and Liverpool – needs to, you know, um, 
kind of retool and, and reboot um, and maybe spark some new energy with a, a new big time player coming in, a guy who's probably going to just step right into the starting 11. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for Liverpool, this is certainly a good move. Are you, do you think they're, they're set for, you know, th- this is their roster going forward? Or do you think we'll see more action, you know, before that October 4th or 5th deadline? Um, I think it's a good move for Liverpool, but probably not their best move. Um, I think Liverpool could use a little bit more cover in uh, central defense and a striker, you know, a center forward. If uh, Roberto Firmino has to miss time, goes down injured, um, you know, I, I, I'm still not sure who can step in and uh, link with Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah as well as Firmino, um, you know, if he's out for any time, any significant period of time, uh, that could cause Liverpool problems. But yeah, signing Thiago is, um, it's a slight upgrade in their midfield. I have a feeling they're going to sell Ginny Wijnaldum to Barcelona. His contract uh, has just under one more year to run. So they will recoup some of that fee. Uh, I know Ronald Koeman at Barcelona, uh, he, he reportedly wants Wijnaldum. Uh, they work together at uh, Holland, the Dutch national team. So, yeah, I think this is going to be one in, one out in the midfield. We'll add a little bit of guile and craft. Um, you know, Tiago can unlock defenses a little bit better than Wijnaldum, I think. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think this will be a slight tweak to how Liverpool plays. But is it enough to get them over the hump and make them uh, Champions League favorites? I will say no. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get to the games of the weekend because we are running a little long here. Um, yes, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Um, okay. Only because uh, this game is on Friday. And uh, other than Arsenal, there's nothing standing out for me on Saturday. So, uh, and I, and I, you know, it'll be hard for me to go Friday, Saturday, and wait until Sunday for the game. So I will say Bayern versus Schalke, Bundesliga opener, 2.30 on Friday. Uh, always a big game. Always a Bayern win. I don't expect that to change. Uh, Western Weston McKinney no longer is at Schalke. Uh, so I'll be, uh, I'll be interested to see what Bayern looks like. Uh, probably Joshua Kimmich. Leon Goretzka in the central midfield, uh, see if they can scheme their way past Schalke. I'm sure they would. Uh, there's also a young American that I would like to bring into your bring to your attention. His name is Nick Taitag, uh, T-A-I-T-A-G-U-E. Uh, he's an mm. attacking midfielder and a winger, uh, was with Schalke's uh, under-19 team, and uh, I think he's been promoted this season, so he might – uh, might get a little playing time in uh, what is Schalke's biggest game of the year. So I'll be uh, checking that one out Friday. All right. And I will be checking out Chelsea versus Liverpool on Sunday, as I'm sure you will be as well, Marcus. Uh, yes. um, there's obviously it's, it's clearly the biggest match of the weekend. We just talked about Liverpool and everything that they've got going on. Liverpool surrendered three goals to Leeds United. Uh, in their opening match, and they they weren't 
exactly, you know, miracle goals either. I mean, Liverpool's defense looked closer to a pre-Virgil van Dijk era defense than what they what we've become used to and you know Virgil van Dyke was in the game in fact one of the goals was really kind of his fault yeah um and on the other hand with Chelsea uh you know it's kind of a new look Chelsea um we didn't really see their full roster and their three to one win over Brighton they did not play Christian Pulisic who um is probably um, he has not played since uh, pulling his hamstring in the FA Cup final. So I'll be interested to see how much he plays and um, how Chelsea just puts out their lineup with the additions that they've made. So just kind of the first real look at Chelsea in a big-time match. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be, uh, I'm sure there will be plenty to talk about in the, in the wake of the game. So. Yeah, I'll definitely be watching that. Uh, that is a – big big game there's this simmering uh feud or word of words war, the war of words between uh liverpool manager jurgen klopp and his chelsea counterpart frank lampard uh, <laughs> i love the sniping that they do at each other um i think it started last season and has continued oh, yeah. press this season um so that's fun and then uh yeah the chelsea liverpool rivalry was one of the biggest uh, until recent years where uh, Man City has kind of jumped to the fore. But, um, yeah, if Chelsea is back among uh, the title challengers, uh, we'll have a sense after uh, Sunday's game. Yep. Well, all right, Marcus. Uh, Thank you for joining me today. And we want to say thanks to David Amoyal one more time. He was fantastic. Uh, and for listeners, maybe you're, you're tuning in for the first time through Amoyal, but uh, if you want to continue to follow the Nesson Soccer Podcast, you can do so at Nesson.com slash podcast or follow us on iTunes or Spotify by searching Nesson Soccer Podcast to catch all of our episodes. Marcus, thanks again, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Yep, till next week. Ciao. Ciao. Why you must have been old? Stop it, say, hello, the rebel radio.